0: Zoe Bible Church over there in Billings, but Sarah, who is a member of your church, she's here, and that's a lot of times what brings us here, and Shelby, who will soon be a member of your church, because she's joining her sister here at uh, college in the next month or so, whenever she decides to actually move over here, but, but uh, and then, and then we know and love your pastors dearly, and then our son is here too, Seth, yes, I was just, I was, and in a couple of years, he potentially will be a member of your church if he comes to college here. So we send our whole family here <laughs> and trust you guys with him. So, because, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and Pastor Daniel, I like times like this or the other times, he has sent me texts or messages and, and thanks me for, you know, making myself available for this or whatnot, but um, I honestly always would text him back and I says, uh, yeah, he, he says, you know, he, he speaks honor toward us, and I says, well, Brother, I've entrusted you with my own daughter, so I, I honor and believe in and, and, and love your pastors. Amen? So, Pastor Daniel and Joan, and I'm sure they're having, wherever they're at and what they're doing, and yeah, James and Riley, uh, it's a blessing. You guys have an awesome church here. So, and we're glad to be here this morning, so we'll just get into the Word with you here in a minute. I do know one thing, even though some uh, protocols and status quo changes in churches, but almost every church takes up tithes and offers. <laughs> and I know and I understand that this is your time for that. So we will take up our, uh, take up tithes and offerings. If you guys give, if you need an envelope, we have ushers. Eh, to, I'll just do it like we do it and pretend to. you guys do it the same. But yeah, you got envelopes. So if you need an envelope, raise your hand. They'll give you an envelope. And uh, if you give them by cash, I'd encourage you. Go ahead and give, uh, fill it up, put your name on there. Why not keep track of your giving? Um, you know, some people... Some people, one hand, people make money way too sacred. On the other hand, people treat it way too loosely. Amen? But the Bible, the Bible uh, talks about giving and, as sowing seed. And, uh, you know, I had a, growing up, my grandpa, we lived on a farm over there in Michigan. And as he got older, things would change around the farm. And uh, there's been times there's a certain field that they called out by the tar road. And it was a few miles away from maybe the regular farm. But, man, we, he would plant that field every year. And every year that I can remember, we'd forget about that field come harvest time. So all that seed that went in the ground went to waste because grandpa would forget about the the 40 acres out by the tar road, we'd call it. So anyhow, when you give, don't just give and forget. Uh, Remember, think about... Stay in faith for your giving because the Bible does say give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Amen. And he tells us in Malachi 3.10 that if we bring our tithes into the storehouse, he'll open up the windows and pour out a blessing upon you in such measure that you won't be able to contain it. But I did want to just share this with you as far as a a little thought and a message toward your giving. Um, And, you know, I'm sure Pastor Daniel, you guys probably get a message or a thought or something every time you give. And don't let that scare you away. It's not a church, and it shouldn't be a church that's uh, uh, pulling or trying or prying to get you know more money out of you. My heart, when when we talk about finances, is that I just know that it's a big part of our life out there, and I know it wrecks a lot of people's lives, either the greed for more or the lack of having enough. You know what I mean? So money's an important deal, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. So we might as well you know get a little nugget every now and then on how to handle my finances, but. Um, when it comes to giving, let me just encourage you with this. Especially you get into the Word of Faith and, and so forth that we are in our circles. You know we know that God wants to take care of us. We know that God wants to provide for us. Amen. And you know the old thing how people used to pray for their pastors. You know Lord, you know you keep them humble. We'll keep them poor. That, that really don't. You know that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> project the kingdom forward. You know what I mean? But on the on the flip side, you get into where you know. Um, you, you start grabbing a hold of the realities that God wants to bless us and wants to take care of us. And then it just like those scriptures just come out automatically. It's like, give and it shall be given. You know, good measure, pressed down. You'll know, bring all your tithes and the windows will be opened up. Well, on that side, be careful of this. It's easy to turn all your giving into thinking about what you're getting in return. And if you focus too much on when, what you're getting in return, your giving really isn't giving at all. Let your giving have some giving to it. Let your giving have a cost to it. You know, it's okay just to give. Yeah. Not just to a church, but just in life, you know, to your neighbors, to your family. You don't always have to get something in return. You can actually just give. <laughs> and you can just let go. You'd be surprised at how much, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but that, that's love. Yeah. When you can just give and expect nothing back, that's giving in love. Yeah. And then even though you're not expecting anything back in return, because you gave it in that atmosphere and in that realm of love, which then is really in faith, because faith worketh by love, next thing you know, you are getting a return. And it's like, well, I wasn't really expecting that. Or, no, I don't need that. No, that's okay, Lord. Can you imagine telling the Lord that? Oh, no, that's okay, Lord. <laughs> Probably don't hear that real often. Like, oh, yeah, Lord. <laughs> Bring it on. Just say, no, that's okay, Lord. I'm just, I just want to give. I just want to sow. I just want to be a blessing. Amen? So just... Um, In your giving, not just like this, but uh, just in life, in your journey, in your walking, in your doing, uh, don't be afraid to let things cost a little bit, because you'll find out that Jesus did say it's more blessed to give than receive. Now, he actually said that, and I think it takes a little bit of walking in it, and it takes some revelation to get to the point where we actually experience that. Where, where the time when I'm giving somebody something, actually, I'm more fulfilled than those times when somebody comes up and hands me something. You know what I mean, so just like giving to God. We talk about the harvest. Well, I'm going to give, why? So the windows of heaven will be open. Well, we want the windows to heaven to be open, but you can get to the point where I want to give, why? Because that's more fulfilling to me than those times when God's, God just keeps pouring it out. And I tell him, no, Lord, that's enough. I just want to, I'm getting fulfilled over here on the giving side. And uh, you can just experience life on whole different levels than what the world does, amen? So let me just encourage you in that. So Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to bring our tithes and our offerings to the house of the Lord. And Father, you're on our heart and you're in our mind with all of our giving. We, we give to the kingdom and we give to you. And we thank you that you do say that you receive our giving. One place the word says that, that the giving of stuff, is, um, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. So Lord, we just thank you that we can give and that you receive it from us. And Lord, help us just to uh, grow in that realm where it's more blessed to give than to receive. Where we can get to that point, Father God, where uh, it's not about us, but it's about you and it's about others. And Lord, I just thank you that you do cause increase. Lord, you said that you would and we receive that increase. And Lord, I thank you that you give us the wisdom to take that increase and to touch and to change lives for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. now... The ushers come around. I don't know. Maybe everyone runs to the front and throws at you. Praise God. So God is good. Amen? Hallelujah. While they're taking that up, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, read a verse to you. There, there's a a place that I want to... Uh, there's some seed I want to sow as far as concerning the Word this morning. Um... Man, if we had enough time to develop a habit, I'd like to develop a habit in each one of us this morning before we go, but I don't think we have time to do that. Don't let some say you've got to do something 20... Oh, the, the, the kiddos. Anyone that is of age as a kiddo or wants to be a kiddo, they're excused at this time. Yeah. And they head on upstairs or wherever they go for children's church to get the Word of God on a level that they love it yeah praise the lord Amen. anything else okay all right so just interrupt me if we need to stop and do anything but uh but I like to form a habit but I think I think I heard one time it takes 21 times or 21 days to develop a habit so but uh in in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 uh Paul prays this prayer over the church and over the body of Christ as a whole, and I believe it's a, a valid prayer for us today, and I, I would like to encourage you, and I'm going to share some reasons why, maybe get us going down this, this vein. Um, if you couldn't do this daily, you know, what's a realistic expectation of one another? You know what I mean? But uh, if you couldn't pray this prayer daily over yourself, what, maybe two, three times a week? uh if I could get you, and if you don't at all right now, if I could get you to pray this prayer once a week over yourself um, and start to see the value and the need for what Paul obviously saw was important because he prayed this. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened With might by his spirit in the inner man and when I read this um, I I just see he's bringing us someplace everything that he he prays these little steps to take place to get us to this ultimate point because he says he wants us to be strengthened with might in the inner man so that it says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith so that or that ye being rooted and grounded in love see each one of these prayer each one of these parts of the prayer is just getting us to this point where he says that um, being rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. He wants to get us to the point where we can know God's love, the love of Christ. And, you know, again, like we, like was come out here just earlier about salvation is to know God. Um, well, God is love. Amen? So when we're talking about love, we're talking about God. And he says... So you could say, and to know the love of Christ, or you could say to know God. I mean, First uh, John four makes reference that those who love are born of God and know God. Those who do not love do not know God. You know, you can actually be born of God and not know Him. You've run into Him, and we've done it ourselves because we all have a we all know God, but only to the. Limit of where we've walked with him and the revelation of we got of his word. It's not like you pray this prayer, ask Christ into your life, and boom, you've arrived. And you, right? No, it's an ongoing. And what are we growing in? We're growing in our revelation. We're growing in our relationship. We get to know God more and more. Amen. We get to understand him more and more, just like in any relationship, just like a, a husband and a wife, you know, you, you grow in that relationship. So, uh, anyhow, we're all getting to that point where we know more and more of God. He says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, this ain't a head thing, it's not something we figure out, it's a heart thing, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then this here verse, I know a lot of people quote, we hear this one a lot, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Uh, has anybody ever quoted that verse? Now huh? now, uh, huh? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And you know, because of who God is, um, I kind of refer to him when you look at, even through the New Testament, he's a ship sinking, net breaking, you go to Psalms, he's a cup overflowing, he's a God that is more than enough. He is a God of abundance, he is a God of excess. I mean, the church gets so afraid of that, but God really is. You know, just a little bit last night again, watching planet Earth or something like that, you know? I mean, when he made birds... He didn't make two or three and call that good. Huh? When he made this fish and how many different species and how you know, I mean he's just a God that just don't know when to quit, it seems like. So when you put your cup out there, he says, he fills it, and you'd say, okay, Lord, that's good. Lord, Lord. And he says, No, he fills it to overflowing. You know, you take him fishing, and the next thing you know, your nets are breaking, your ships are sinking. I mean, that's just the God who he is. Amen. He's a God of abundance. So a lot of times we 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 apply this 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 part of this scripture but it's just that concept of God that is true so you can apply it anywhere we pray for something you know and we ask God and someone says yeah now God according to God he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think but when that was actually in the scriptures in context it's to the prayer of our revelation and understanding of his love that's when Paul said now he'll do exceedingly abundantly above when we pray the prayer Lord I want to know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love. And why do I want to know that? Because the result of that is that I might be filled with the fullness of God. Now what can we face in this earth? Uh, what can your life, what challenges can we come against that the fullness of God could not overcome? Uh, you want, As far as getting in a place of victory, uh, living life with the fullness of God. And I know we make positive confessions and we, you know, we're all on our way there, but to think that we're actually walking around with the fullness of God at this point. But yet, it's a place to go. Amen? It's a, you know, the Lord, He always puts it out there for us. God puts it out there for us. For any of us to think that we've ever arrived would be cutting ourselves short. Paul himself says, I have yet not uh, obtained. He says, but what? I forget those things which are behind, and I press toward the mark. Well, if Paul said, I have not yet obtained, we won't be doing ourselves any harm by admitting I haven't yet obtained but what are we doing we're pressing forward so would I say that I'm walking around and living with the fullness of God Um, it would probably be a stretch but do I believe that I can get that I can head there I and, and can I get there well I don't know all I'm gonna do is keep pressing and get as close as I can until I step over into glory and then I'll probably be as close as what we'll ever get but even when we step over into glory we'll probably still be growing amen but Anyhow, so this prayer, uh, the importance of this prayer and love and so forth, I just want to uh, give you some thoughts along those lines. Because if, if I could get you to, this is where I'm trying to get my church to, and this is, just, this is kind of a word that God's put on my heart that I'm probably going to carry for a while. That he, I felt like he says to sound the alarm that there's been something neglected in the body of Christ. And believe it or not, it's this love. It's the word that we call love. That, that we use so freely, we use so loosely, and you say loosely, yeah, it, we use a word that's so powerful, and we use it quite loosely when I talk about God is love, and and the love of Christ, and the songs that we sang about love, and the next thing you know, I go out the door, and I tell you, I love pizza, and I love ice cream, and I love, you know what I mean? It's like, well, so did I bring God and all this down to the level of pizza and ice cream, or did I bring pizza and ice cream up to this level of God? Or do I really kind of have a blend of what does that word really mean to me? You know what I mean? And what that, what, when we say, what does that word really mean to me? We want to get to the point where it goes beyond knowledge, like we just said here, and I start getting revelation of love. And that's, what we, and that's what this prayer is Lord, give me revelation. You've got to put it in my heart so I can start to fathom, oh, this is love. And when you say, oh, this is love, in a sense, then you're saying, oh, This is God. Because God is love. Amen? So um, if I can just stir us up. Well, so I I believe the Lord put in my heart that we just need to sound an alarm. We might be surprised at how much uh, this has been neglected in just our, what you would think would be our normal scriptural diet. You know what I mean? Stuff that we, you know, Jesus says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That we eat this. We live off this. When Jesus says, Lest, you know, when, when he had his, all his disciples following him, and then he thought that they might not be really too committed, so I think he just probably figured he'd not waste time, and he turned to him and said, Lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. And it says, After that day, he says, Many followed him no more. They're like, Whoa. Well, you know. He actually does require a little something of us. You know what I mean? We put it out there. It's like, oh, just come. Come as you are. Blah, blah, blah. And in a sense, yeah, come as you are. But at the same sense, he says, lay your life down. Bear up your cross. Follow me. You know what I mean? He says some pretty strong stuff. But, um, but when he said, unless you eat my flesh, he's not literally talking. Hello, right? Because how could we do that? But Jesus was the Word, and the Word made flesh. We eat this. Amen, this is part of my diet so and, and one of the things that, that we've made supplements for, and you know I'd rather just take a quick little pill and swallow it down with some good juice um, is is love. I think that's a pretty important part of our diet that I believe the Lord's kind of put it in my heart. We need to sound an alarm we need to you know take a i don't know. I don't know what kind of tests you take, like a cholesterol test, or, you know, we need to take a test of some, how much love do I got in me? Am I taking enough? Am I eating enough of that? Amen? So, because the last time I was here, too, um, so I'm going to kind of go a little quick, and I might talk fast, maybe too fast for notes, but I encourage you to take notes every time you go to church. Don't commit anything to memory, but I always, uh, I go, whether I'm going to church or listening to something, I choose to say, I have this mentality. God's going to say something to me so good that I'm going to want to take it with me. Have you ever had those times you're laying down in bed and all of a sudden God just kind of speaks something to you and you go, oh, that... I mean, you know, because you're maybe praying and as you're falling asleep, God says something to you and it's like, wow. It just... That's awesome. I'm going to write that down in the morning. Then you fall asleep and you get up in the morning and you're like, what was that that he said? You know what I mean? So anyhow... We don't commit anything to memory. So anyhow, I'm going to talk fast, take notes, so on and so forth. But my goal isn't to hit three points with a final application. I already gave you the application. I'm just trying to stir us up to the idea that, you know what? I'm going to pray this prayer over myself because I think the more revelation I get on love, you'll see where it's going to affect every area of our life because this is a fundamental principle, fundamental uh, hmm? Thought, doctrine and like like thinking of you know when we consume it, you know what I mean? It's a fundamental vitamin that I need in, in my Christian walk to keep me healthy. Amen? And I think last time I shared with you guys, we were over at, by the pond somewhere. That way, I don't know what way to point. That way. Over by the lake. And I believe, I kind of talked and encouraged you about um, you know, we then being at that um, Paul says we then, being of that same spirit of faith, and we talked about, you know, that we are of the same camp, that spirit of faith and how we preach faith and how we believe faith is important. The Bible says three times in different places, the just shall live by faith. And we know that Hebrews chapter 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say it's difficult or you have a hard time. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. And we know that we're saved by grace through faith and we know that we go through hebrews chapter 11 and like 21 or 22 times it says by faith by faith by faith you know they overcame obstacles they accomplished the will of god they went forward the kingdom was established all these things happen through the scriptures by faith so we know that faith is important and um but what happens sometimes is that we get this concept of what faith because we know that faith is supposed to produce something also but, you know, like we were, I was saying earlier, and I think I got sidetracked, how God's always challenging us to go higher and to press in. So don't be afraid when he says, you know, that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Don't say, oh, jeez, I'm still trying to get half of the devil out of me, let alone get filled with God. You know, I mean, we've got so much junk sometimes, we think, well, that's just too far out there. No, don't treat it like it's too far out there. Put it out there and, and say, well, you know what, maybe I've got a long ways to go, but all the more reason to stay on the journey. All the more reason to stay alive, you know. The longer you live here, the closer we can get before we get to the end and we step over into glory. He says, well, how'd you do? You know, well, I got about halfway. Well, that's good, son. Come on in. Let me take you the rest of the way. But he puts it out there, you know, because even when Jesus, when he spoke to that that mulberry tree or whatever kind of tree you want to say it was, and he cursed that tree, fig tree, and he cursed that tree and it died, and the disciples brought it to his attention the next day. Now, you'd think the Lord could have been a little bit fair about it and says, okay, yeah, I curse the tree. Hey, you, if you speak to those weeds in your garden, you know, if the Lord can speak to a tree, what's he going to require of me, right? Lord, if you speak to a tree, uh, I'll, I'll start with a, a yucca plant. You know what I mean? It's like, even those, though, pretty tough. But no, you say to the Lord, you curse this tree, and he looks at you and says, yeah, you? You speak to that mountain. It's like he stretches us. Amen? So don't let the Lord, the way, of do, the way he functions, scare you. He just wants to stretch you. you know, it's all part of his, I think it's just his makeup. That's why he's a ship sinking, net breaking, cup overflowing. And then he turns it over onto us and he says, run with it. And he expects us just to take off. Amen? But, so, but when we talk about faith, you know, because of who we are, the human part of us, we get so result-oriented. You know what I mean? We want results. We live in a, in a world that, if you want to raise, produce, right? If, if you want a good marriage, be the right husband, be the right wife. I mean, everything demands us to do and to produce, and we, we, we uh, gauge everything. A lot of times our success and our fulfillment is gauged by what we're producing and, and outcome and are we producing fruit churches are judge, ministries things that we do it's all judged by well what was the fruit of that you go out there you go on a mission trip well what did it produce what did it accomplish what's the you know everything is so in a sense works oriented you know what i mean it's like and it comes back to that and uh, so sometimes our faith gets that way and last time i was here i think i believe i was trying to encourage you uh don't let the faith walk in itself become a weight. Because, you know, you can be believing God for something, and you're trying to go a certain direction, and we know that faith pleases God, but the very essence of what faith is, faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. Huh? The Bible says that who who has hope yet for what he already has? Faith produces hope, and hope is a confident expectation of something that you don't have. When you then have it, you're no longer in faith for it, you've got it. I mean, so the whole essence of living by faith is living with this idea of really not obtaining that thing that you're always going after. Not to say we don't ever want to obtain it because you know you accomplish something by faith and then you shift gears. But you're always living by faith, so there's always something that's not that you're saying it is. Right? Follow me with that without going through all the scriptures? Well, and that becomes weighty on us sometimes. We just get tired of it's like, man, it seems like I'm constantly... <laughs> Believing for something or confessing something, or well, that's why he says, "Fight the good fight of faith." Faith ain't just a joy ride. Faith is a fight. It's a struggle. It's a daily deal. And I, I probably encourage you by saying this: if you, when you get to the end of Hebrews chapter eleven, it says, "These all having died in faith, not yet receiving," your faith isn't judged by what it produces. Your faith is judged just by it's 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 my attitude. Toward it. It's my heart toward it. It's my it's my refusing to let go, even though I don't see it. Uh, it's my refusing to, to let go of my kids, wanting you know wanting God to get them and straighten them out and bring them back home, even though now their phone's been disconnected and I have no contact you with know them. I mean, I mean, things can be happening totally contrary to what you're believing for. Huh? You're believing for that promotion at the job, but for some reason the boss can't even remember your name. It's like, give me a break. I've been working here for eight years. Joe, who? You know I mean? no, I'm Scott, and I work. Over, you know what I mean? I mean it just, it just seems, it's, things can seem like they're going contrary to what we're believing or confessing or reading in the scriptures, and it can just become heavy, but be encouraged, you're in faith. Yeah. Amen? And that pleases God. But so along those lines, then, where today's message kind of ties in with that again, is that the Bible tells us in Galatians 5 6, it says, Faith worketh by love. And uh, so, and then Jesus says, he says in Matthew, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Say easy and light. Well, that's the Lord's burden, right? He says, my yoke, my burden. You know, a yoke that you put on a team of oxen to do the work. So the Lord puts something on us and this thing is what's gonna guide me and steer me. This is what's gonna put me into the field and get that field plowed and get, you know, this is what's gonna make something happen. And he says that this yoke that he's putting on me, it's easy and it's light. Well, what is that yoke? Well, he says this new commandment, this one thing I give you, this is the yoke. The new commandment that I give unto you is to love. Right? Now, he does qualify it. He says to love, to love others, to love your brothers, he says. But then he says, as I have loved you. And then, because he's, like we talked earlier, he puts it out there, he stretches us, he challenges us, he says, no greater love has anyone than this, that he'd lay his life down for his brother. So when he starts talking about love, it's more than just the love that I have for pizza, or I love ice cream, I'm not going to lay my life down for pizza, I'm not going to lay my life down for ice cream. You know what I mean? So, his kind of love is a pretty intense love, but that's why we have to pray this prayer over here, because it's it goes beyond knowledge. It's not just not something I just grab a hold of my head. When we're talking about this love that God wants me to comprehend, the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of His love, that I'd be filled with the fullness of God. Well, even that alone now, just as I say that, I can see why now then, if understanding and and having revelation of that love gets me filled with the fullness of God, no wonder why my faith is going to work better over here. Faith worketh by love, because now I'm filled with the fullness of God. To jump way ahead and to give you something that I just got. <laughs> That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And this whole faith walk is no longer a burden because when I get revelation of love, I'm filled with the fullness of God. Now I'm out here living this life of faith. But just like Jesus said, even when he spoke to that mulberry tree, and they said, Lord, you spoke to the tree. You know what he first said to him before he told him to go speak to a mountain? He says, have the faith of God. Different translations say it differently. One, you know, one says, have the faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. Well, how can I have the faith of God? Well, if I have revelation of love, I'm filled with the fullness of God. I'm functioning no longer in my own faith. I'm, I'm functioning with the faith of God that's in me. No, no wonder why this faith walk is easy. I mean, do you think it, it was really hard for Jesus to walk on water? I mean, he was like, Ooh. I mean, I don't know how. It, or was it hard for him to raise the dead? Or was it hard for him to open? I mean, think about the things that you have believed God for and you fought for. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll admit, there's been times, I, faith has been tough, and there's been times where, I, I'll even admit it, I, I let, it didn't seem to work. You know what I mean? It was like I could have those faith failures. You think Jesus had those? I don't think so. Well, Why? Because he was functioning out of the fullness of God. I think it was easy for him to raise the dead. I think it was easy for him to walk on water. I think he made a joke about it probably half the time, some of the stuff that he was doing. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, not in a dishonorable way, but it was just easy for him. Then yet here we try to live this life of faith, and it seems to be a struggle to the point where sometimes people just get discouraged, and they say, you know what? I'm just done with that whole faith thing. I'm just taking life as it comes, and I'll be happy when it's over. You know what I mean? It can get frustrating. Maybe not for you. For some folks out there, we'll talk about them out there. For some folks out there, the whole faith walk can get frustrating. Well, see, this revelation of love is what is going to turn that all around. That's what makes his, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We should remind ourselves of that. Along with this prayer, that we should be praying daily, Lord, give me a revelation that I might know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then remind ourselves, and Lord, help me get understanding that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Next thing you know, this Christian walk is an enjoyable thing. This fighting the good fight of faith is something we actually like doing. Next thing you know, it changes our countenance. And other people say, hey, what is this that you have? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, we've got this walking, living relationship, this faith walk with God. But how much of it comes back to this part here? uh understanding and knowing love amen so um let me give you a couple more one does pastor dan usually go to just not that i'm gonna keep to it but just so i got an idea okay i want to i just want to show you again my goal here is you know because i just said a lot of stuff that wasn't in my notes so not that we have to stay with our notes yeah i know it's real common but uh but uh, there's nothing against notes either if, you're the kind of person that writes notes and takes notes. Don't think that you have to get off them to be spiritual. I mean, one of my favorite teachers is Keith Moore, and he walks around like this. He does just like that. You ever see him, huh? He does that. He walks around with his notes, and he's certainly a spiritual and teacher. So anyhow, but um, just for time's sake, there's a couple things that I do believe God put on my heart to share with you. So I want to say, give you a couple verses out of here. But again, our goal is just to... Um, my goal is and i believe the lord's goal isn't to get you know point one point two point three it's just to walk out of here today and you go you know what I, i'm going to pray that prayer i don't, you know if not daily at least a couple times a week i'm going to pray that prayer because i think if i grow in revelation of love it's going to affect these other areas of my life You know what i mean and just because the lord wants us to paul prayed that prayer jesus says that this whole thing is condensed down to this it's all summed up, he said. The fulfillment of all the law is fulfilled in this. Love God and love others. So there's obviously a bunch to it. You know what I mean? And, I, and more than just what a lot of us, a lot of us what we find, what we get from church is when we talk about love, we default right away to 1 Corinthians 13 and we say love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Love, you know what I mean? And then we move on. Well, I think there's a whole lot more to it than just those verses. Amen? just from the concept that God is love. But um, in those verses, I'll say this, talking about, because we seem to be on this vein of making our Christian walk a little bit more enjoyable and not being so heavy and so weighty, and my faith walk, you know, just being a fight all the time. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians, it starts right out there, talking about love. Um, He says, you know, though I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels and have not love, I become a, a, a... clanging cymbal or just you know and it says though i have faith to move mountains and though i have all wisdom without love there's no value though i give even like in our giving earlier you know if we give with the right perspective great but if not i can give all the way to the point where i give my body to be burned and if there's not love what value is it well I, i don't think we're doing any injustice by saying like in our vernacular we might say what success is there what's what's the virtue in it what's the purpose of it why do it there's, you know, there's nothing in it. Because again, for us, what, what, what do you, and at the end of a day, what has to happen for you to say that that day was successful, that day was valuable, that day was productive for you? For most of us, we have to produce something. You know what I mean? We want to get a job done. I can look back and say, there, and we want it to be halfway decent. And I feel like it was a productive day. Again, because just of our nature, our character, everything is performance-based. Everything has to have results. Everything has to produce fruit for it to be good. The next thing you know our whole christian walk is that way but yet here first corinthians 13 tells me that okay in my christian walk at the end of the day what, when i turn around and say what puts value to that what makes this day successful what says what says this day was worth it says what i did was it in love if what i'm doing is in love it's been successful me coming here and visiting and sharing at the end of the service, I don't have to wait to hear back from Pastor Daniel on how the congregation responded and to, hear, to find out if my day was successful. I can de- de- determine my morning to be successful by me coming and, and doing whatever I do in love. Because love is what puts the value to whatever you do. You're giving. If you give something to somebody, you don't got to wait to see what they do with what you gave them to see if there's any value. Well, let's see if I gave them the right thing. Let's see if they do. I mean, you give someone a pair of new boots. I said this once at our church. And, oh, you got to be careful because I, <laughs> because I came to, to, to Montana, you know, 20 some years ago with, I think, one pair of boots. And right now, I got to start kind of liquidating them. We counted the other day. Do I got 13 or four? I mean, I got a lot of pair of boots, but my church has been boot givers. So I get these boots. <laughs> Well, and they give me some nice boots, but what would they, I said, what would you think if, you know, some, maybe the last pair of boots that someone gave me, if you come over to our house to visit, and I had them out front, and I was using them as planters, you know, I took that $367 <laughs> pair of boots, filled them with dirt, stuck a flower in there, <laughs> you'd be like, you know what I paid for that? planter of yours? I mean, I mean, what they did with what you gave them has so much to do with the value of what you gave. But the reality is, if you gave those puppies in love, huh? because another thing, what, what love does is, is, is love, love puts an end to our actions. You don't constantly have to be working and going and doing. If you do something in love, you do it, you're done with it. You don't have to wait for a response. You don't have to wait for a thank you in the, to come in the mail to find out if no. If you gave in love, you know there's value, there's worth. That's what. That's what. According to the, uh, you know my my talking. Well, was it, Pastor Dan can call me and say, well, Pastor Scott, what, was your talking good or was it clanging symbols that no one could understand? Well, you know what? You because know, that's what the Bible says. Well, I, I could speak up here eloquently and I could speak as it with tongues of angels, but there's no value if there's no love. So if I do it in love, I could say, well, you know, I kind of popped around a little bit, couldn't really follow my notes, I, <laughs> I babbled, I stuttered, but it was in love. He'd say, and there's the Lord would say there's value to it. I mean, to the extent that the Lord says this, what he calls, see, he, what he looks at is so different. He says, a child can come to me, and I can give that child a glass of water. Huh? And, he, and he's That gets chalked up in memory. Boom, boom. You know, for children's workers and those who maybe think about working in children's, uh, you are so blessed to work in that department because the Bible says when, when the disciples wanted to bring the kids to Jesus, and no, the people did, but the disciples were saying, no, and Jesus said, no, let them come to me. Why? Because their angels are ever before the Father's face. When you're working with kids, your name is coming up before the throne all the time. Because their angels are always there before the Father's face, letting them know what's going on in Johnny's life and little Joey and little Cindy, and he's, and you give little Cindy a glass of water, he says clearly that does not go unnoticed. Well, is it the value of the wa- what put that kind of value in it? The water, the glass that it's in? No, the love that produced it. That's that's the kingdom of God. That's what puts it back, and that's when you start figuring that out. I tell you what, I can choose to act. I can choose to do stuff in love. All my doing all of a sudden becomes easy and lighter, because it, it, it's not what I do and then sit back and find out what it produced to find out if what I did was valuable. That's weighty. That's heavy. We can put so much unneeded weight and pressure on ourselves because we we lose sight of this. Amen. So you know, and then you know, along with that too, you say, "Well, is the stuff that I'm doing going to last?" Well, if you stick, to, if you stayed there in. 1 Corinthians, but you backed up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, like in verse 14 in that area, I think, 13 and 14, it says that, you know, the day is going to come where everything that we've done is going to be put to fire. While we sang that song, he's an all-consuming fire. And he says, that which we have done uh, to see if it will abide, that which we've done, what we've built on, if it will abide, well, what's going to abide? What's going to carry on? What's going to live forever? Well, go to the end of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, these three remain, faith, hope, and Love, these three abide. What you do in love goes on and on and on. The house that I build, that thing's going to burn up someday. That's not going with me to heaven. The deer that I shoot, the fish that I catch, the jobs, all the houses that I've wired as an electrician, I've done a whole lot that's not going to carry on. That when we step over into eternity, it's going to be like, well, Lord, I wired 362 homes. And he's going to say, where are those homes now, Scott? you burnt them up lord i mean what what is going to carry on? what's going to abide what's going to carry on everything that i well love abides so anything that i do in love anything that i build on that first corinthians 3 what i build on will abide if i build on that i'm taking that with me to heaven i don't have to go back to head start and start all over again i'm actually going to get to heaven and get to continue on with some stuff that you know they say you can't take stuff with you but you know you can send stuff on ahead you can do works that are you're standing on ahead. He already told He said, don't put everything in the banks here with moth and rust and stuff. He says, no, send some stuff to your heavenly account. Well, how do you do that? Do stuff in love is one way. Amen? So, I mean, all of a sudden, already I'm starting to get some value and some worth to the stuff that I'm doing in this life that I'm living. It's already getting easier for me because I'm not putting all these requirements on me to find out if it's worth doing. I mean, I don't need a whole lot of revelation of love and I'm already starting to enjoy my Christian walk a whole lot more amen so and then i i I gotta give you this one because we'll end with this thought because the church has to be a little bit careful we we heard a little bit at the beginning even concerning our praise and worship and stuff because the lord i mean, the 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 devil he's not ignorant of this stuff neither you know what i mean he knows that as we grow in love we're we're flat out growing in every area so he wants to kind of he wants to keep you know the devil don't want you to grow you understand that don't we do have an enemy some people don't realize that, but there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's a God that's for us, but there's a devil against us, amen? Now, he has been defeated, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get in there and try and mess things up for us. So he wants to keep us away from this stuff, and if he can't keep us away, he likes to, you know, the devil, he, one of the words that's used that referred to evil is wicked. Wicked just means twisted. He doesn't totally annihilate some things, but he'll just twist it a little bit. He'll distort it a little bit, kind of like your wicker chair. You take two things and you twist them, and some of you go, oh, that looks, that looks prettier. Well, that's what he'll do. He'll twist stuff. And next thing you know, this thing that's supposed to be strengthening us and building us and, and propelling us forward in the kingdom of God, he puts a little twist to it, and now all of a sudden it's holding us back. And we're trying to figure out, where's the kingdom of God in my life? How come things ain't happening like the Bible says it's going to happen? And so forth. And it's because things have got twisted. And that's the devil comes in, and he'll twist that. And he'll try to twist this love. And you know, when the devil twists love, it looks just like it, but we've got a different word for it. Lust, lust and love, can be acted out identical, but they're they're total opposites. And really, the, the difference between them is, is love is selflessness. Love has nothing to do with me. Lust has everything to do with me. Lust give, lo, love gives, lust takes. Lust is is about me and mine. If I'm if, if my giving is is only about the windows that are being opened up and the, and what I'm going to receive. Even I mean, I can be sitting in church praying the loudest and saying hallelujah and writing the biggest check. And if I'm putting that puppy in the offering plate thinking about what I'm going to get, I better watch out. I better check my heart. I could be acting in lust and not in love. And then I'm trying to figure out, why ain't my faith working? Well, faith worketh by love, not by lust. I mean, it's all just, it is, that love just so intertwines between everything. But here's the deal. The devil wants to get in there and twist it and get us in lust, because then it just debunks our, our faith. A couple verse thoughts along those lines, and then one warning about selfishness. But um, I'll give you the verses. I'm not going to go to them just for sake of time, but both of them in, in Matthew. Matthew 13, 22, where one starts. And then Matthew 6:25. I want to tie these two things together, and I'll give you this verse. 1 Peter 5, 7. So if you're writing them down, Matthew 13:22. Matthew six twenty five and 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. So along that vein, along that idea, because we know that's a powerful principle if you study that one out, because um, he doesn't want us carrying cares and weights. So in Matthew 13, that's where Jesus talks about a sower goes out to sow, and when he sows seed, the seed falls on different kind of soil. and I think there's four different soils. One is the path. One is stony, one's weedy, and one's good ground. Well, you know, the path, the birds come, and the, the, the word never even takes root. You know what I mean? The birds come and pick it up. And that's, you, you went to church, you heard something, and you walked out the door and said, oh, I think he was full of it. Kind of a harsh expression, but you know what I mean? But people walk, they say, no, nah, you don't even receive the word. It's like it, boom. And then you got somewhere it falls on stony ground where, man, that was good, that was exciting. The whole faith walk for a lot of people. They hear it, they will go out there, they try to live by faith, but, but there's no root. There's no, so, man, tough times come, and right away they're like, man, I'm tired of fighting this. You know what I mean? They, walk, they didn't hear the love part. So they're trying to do it with all works, and they over time they let go. And then there's the one, you know, there is the good ground, but there's the one that I want to look at right now where the weeds grow up. And it says that the cares of this world choke it out. It says that the word takes root. We start to do something. So now we're getting to where my faith is supposed to produce something, but care. Care comes in and chokes it out. How does care do that? Well, because as we grow in our revelation and understanding of love, care is done away with. Care is, uh, and it's not care, when the Bible talks about care, it's talking about stress, anxiety, concern. Uh, You don't think God's going to take care of you. And that's where, like, Matthew 6 comes in. That's where he talks about um, don't care about, don't think about, don't don't have concern about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat you know, where you're going to sleep. And he gives the illustration of don't the birds have food to eat? He talks about don't, you're all concerned about, you know, whether you're going to be dressed or not. Look at the fields, the lilies of the fields. Are they not dressed more uh, glamorous than Solomon and all his splendor? And he was a splendid dresser, no doubt. Queen, the queen come over and was, Taken back by how fancy they were. And he says that the fields are more fancy. God takes more care of the fields that today are here and tomorrow are thrown in the fire. And he talks about the birds that, you know, they don't toil or spin, but yet they have food. And he says this, Does, aren't you of more value than they, the birds? Doesn't God love you more than birds? Is I, if I get revelation of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love, I'm not, I'm not living with care. I'm not living with concern. See, another, there's care, concern. It, oh, it's fear is what it is. Huh? Perfect love casts out fear. Huh? You can't have, be in fear and in faith at the same time. Faith is from God. Fear is from the devil. Well, my cure to fear at whatever level. Fear can be full-out panic where we're screaming and running, but fear could be me just thinking too much about how I'm going to pay bills next week. I mean, well, we, you know, we're responsible. We call it I'm just concerned. Well, if you carry that concern too far and think about it too much, what happens is is that care, that concern, that overthought on those things choke out. It says that's where the Matthew 23. It's important because my overcare, my overconcern, my overthinking on things, I think is just Wrecking my sleep, it's, doing, it's wrecking more than that. It's choking out the Word. And it doesn't, it doesn't, that scripture doesn't tell us. It only cho- chokes out particular types of seed. It chokes out the Word. So, I mean, I might be believing God over here for my health, but I'm all concerned and stressed out about my bills over here. Well, that concern and care that I'm carrying is choking out the, the Word in me, and now the Word's not working in this area or that area or that area because I have care in this area. But what's my, what's my cure to that? Well, my cure to that is to understand that God loves me more than he does the birds, and I don't have to care about, so if I start getting a revelation of his height, and his depth, and the width, and the breadth of his love, I don't have this fear of not making it. I don't have this fear of not paying, I don't, it leaves me in this place of, of God's love, which then is faith worketh by love, and this is all working in my life, it's my yoke is easy. My burden is light. See how this is all working? So, this, this last thought, then, a warning of selfishness, because, see, and I, think, I think it still all fits together. But it doesn't have to, because, you see, I don't have point one, point two, point three. When Daniel says, Pastor Daniel asks me, What did you preach? I don't have to give him. I said, All I try to do is get him to want to pray Ephesians 3. 14 and 20 over themselves I'm just trying to stir up a, a, a thought that you know what this love is it kind of gets into everything so I do want to grow in my revelation of love and the devil wants to get me out of it the devil wants to get me out of love and into lust listen if I'm concerned if, I, if my life revolves around me guess what I'm going to be caring about what I'm wearing what I'm eating huh? if, if I'm consumed in me I'm going to have a bunch of care and that care is going to choke out the word that's trying to function in my life. And this is where we've got to be careful because even the church, we've, we've brought things in. we brought way too much attention to ourselves. You know, it was mentioned about praise and worship that our, our worship is supposed to be directed upward. Now just bear with me. I'm just using these examples, okay? So don't, if your toes get stepped on, just, I don't know. Curl man. You know what I mean? But I just want to throw some thoughts out there when it comes to church, because we all do the same. But let's just say, how many services do you guys have here? On a Sunday morning, you just have the one, right? I'm not throwing stones, saying people, some are right, some are wrong. I'm just saying that this concept. Well, you know, sometimes we have church where we have, a, we have two or three services. And the first service, worship is called contemporary. That second service, the worship is called traditional. The third service, the Well, hold on. Okay, we got three different kinds of worship services. Which one is it that the Lord likes? Do we... So then why are we choosing... Why do we have contemporary and why do we have traditional? To appease who? To appease me. So I can go to the service where I like that style of worship. You'd be surprised at how much we offer in church. The coffee and the donuts that were out there this morning, who was that for? The comfort of a thing the way we do you know i mean the more elaborate we have in our how much of church revolves around us how much of our preaching is about what we get about my salvation about all that god brings. i mean i think we can stumble into it without being aware of it next thing you know we we've created a whole atmosphere that is very um pleasing to me and i find that church is meeting all my needs not only my spiritual needs, but now church meets all my social needs because they got all the clubs that I can get involved in. And without knowing it, I've got this, my whole Christian walk has really become about me. And here's, here's the sad thing with that. When it gets to that point, you're never satisfied. People will come to church and their first few times in church, we've had it, and we were just talking about this at, at this uh, church conference that we had this week. And, uh, um, uh, Pastor Jerry Lamping from Fortress of Joy said he was God was talking to him about church, and because uh, you know some churches you know are experiencing less activity than what they'd like. You know, what I mean members and stuff like that. And he's just talking, Lord, Lord, why? Actually, quite a few churches. It's amazing how many churches shut down on a weekly basis for lack of attendance. And he said that the Lord was talking to him and said that people are becoming bored with church. Okay, well. What's the, what's the answer to that then? Make church more entertaining? No, here's the problem. It's because we made church entertaining. And he says, he says we, and I talked up there about love, and, and, and Pastor Jerry got up and said, well, you know, this is what we've heard in our church. People come in and say, man, don't, you can just feel the love here. And they sense the love, and they stay, and they stay plugged in. And then a year, two, three years down the road, they're out the door, and they say, there's no love in this church. Well, how can that be? Because this is what happens. We, we go to church and it gets so revolved. It gets so, it, I find out that it, so much of it is about me that I get out of love and into lust, and lust is never satisfied. God, God can't even satisfy lust. What was lacking in the Garden of Eden? That the God, God, wouldn't you think you could be satisfied in the Garden of Eden when God made the whole, God made it all? He said, here it is. The devil gets in there and gets you to look at yourself and you can be right in the Garden of Eden and it's not enough for self. I mean, what about the devil himself? He was there where we're all trying to get to. He was there next to the, you know, he was there with God in heaven. But when you get your eyes on self, self is never satisfied. Self is, is the enemy of our faith walk. Amen? Amen. And that's what the devil wants to do. He'll come in and try to, try to, try to twist things and get our eyes on ourself, and it get, it's way too costly. Way too costly to get our eyes on self. Amen? So, um, but revelation on love keeps us from that. that. That prayer in Ephesians, when I get to know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of his love, when I, get, when I grow in that, uh, I'm growing in selflessness, I'm getting away from lust, I'm getting into faith. I'm getting where my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm getting to where I, I'm living life with the fullness of God. Amen. It's a good place to be. That's where I'm heading. That's where I'm working at. That's where I know God is stirring in our hearts. And I just thought, well, Lord, if you're stirring in our hearts, I'm just going to bring that over to Bozeman and share it with those folks. Amen. So, uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are our teacher and our guide, and I just thank you that you ultimately bring things to each one of us. And I thank you that each one of us heard something here this morning that, you're gonna, that we can carry with us, that you'll keep alive in us. Holy Spirit, uh, we want this. Ephesians 3 prayer. We want to know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love. And you say there, it goes beyond our knowledge. So Holy Spirit, bring us revelation. Bring us understanding that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now I, I have to ask, because I don't know everybody here, but listen, uh, this whole Christian walk, it's about God's love for us. Amen? And it's, it's not about do's and don'ts. Yeah, that's a part of it. But it's about God, it's about His love for us, and it's about getting to know Him. Amen? If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ, it's about knowing him, the Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't come in. He doesn't force his way in. He doesn't push his way into some people's lives and not others. He stands at the door and knocks. He says, "Whoever opens that door, he comes in and he sups with them." He, he becomes our God. Becomes our Father. We become His Son. If you're here and you've never opened up the heart, the door of your heart, and you want to ask Christ into your life, you want to receive Jesus Christ for the first time, you need to do that. I just want to pray with you a simple prayer that takes care of that if you're here just say that's me Pastor Scott I want to ask Christ into my life for the first time does anybody need to do that stand at the door knocking if you've never opened that door and you need to okay then I trust that you all have amen when you're out there talking and sharing with people the Bible says we open that door by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth he says if anybody opens that door and invites me in I'll turn nobody away so just make it that easy for people, Amen. It's about God loving them, Amen, and then it's about us learning about that love and walking that out, Amen. Praise God. Well, I am. That's all. I am. Turn it back over.
1: Hello. There we go. (laughs) So before we leave today, we always take up a love offering for our guest pastors that come in and speak to us. How many got a word today that they needed in their life? We are very blessed and honored to have people like Pastor Scott come in and give us a word. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you who have given or have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along overwhelm them with appreciation and love so he is just our guest pastor but you know it took some work for him he had to come over here he had to make sure his church was taken care of and he came over here to give us a word and to let us experience what he had on his heart and so I think right now we'll just take up that love offering if you need an offering envelope just raise your hand and Gary will come around and give you one if you are making out checks make them out to Celebration of Life Church and Pastor Dan will write out one check for them at the end